Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome once again to Cult Following, your source for film criticism, film discussion, and just general film collectible media talk from three guys who love movies, like to talk about them, and, you know, just really enjoy hearing our voices as we discuss the myriad worlds of directing, acting, and everything celluloid. I'm one of your three hosts for this edition, Victor Moreno, along with Kirby Nelson and Joshua T. Ruth. 100%. Cult Following is dedicated to bringing you folks the best in film, angels to some, demons to others. Join us every month as we talk the world of filmmaking here at cultfalling.co. Find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and anywhere quality podcasts are sold on this edition of cult following we're going to talk about some of the current releases out in theaters right now as we are in the brink of the fall season hitting us we're just on the cusp of october we're going to talk a little bit about the renaissance of nicholas cage that's happening right now along with some recent film releases like predator and mandy but we're also going to just talk about what we've been watching and all that. So why don't we start with you, Josh? What have you Whoa, been watching? Whoa, hey! Um, yeah, so a couple of things. Uh, just quickly, I wanted to mention, I don't know if you guys have seen this, but it was a documentary that I saw on uh, Netflix that is, I'm just getting to, because it's a, it's a very wordy title, The Power of Grayskull, The Definitive History of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. I have seen that on the Netflix trending. I have not watched it. I did watch it. Yeah. I mean, I loved it. Um, Ultimately, you know, I was a very big fan of The Toys That Made Us, Mm -hmm. and they did an episode on Masters of the Universe, so, you know, it wasn't exactly like a bunch of information that I hadn't seen before, but it did definitely go into more detail on things. Um, I really love how it it just kind of plotted everything from the very beginnings of it, and then they they talked about the different series of He-Man that came out all the way up to the, the classics that they're doing now, um, and it was just really cool. One thing I really enjoyed about it is that it, they, they gave respect to the movie, Thank goodness. It actually is a huge amount. It's about the film. Like, I was shocked that yeah. almost the last third of it is solely focused on the film. Like, that's yeah. the way I felt, like, in terms of uh, pacing. Yeah, I mean, definitely, um, you know, when you have, uh, you know, for example, was, was it Electric Boogaloo movie? Uh, yeah, the, the, yeah Canon films. the Canon Films documentary. Yeah, and I mean, they're very dismissive of Masters of the Universe in that, and as they were a lot of the different things. Um, but I, I don't know. Masters of the Universe, in my opinion, is one of those movies that is just very good. Uh, I understand it's cheesy and it's like, yeah, it's in the 80s and everything. But what I've always loved about that movie is the fact that even within the ridiculous confines of what that is, uh, which is, you know, based on a cartoon that was designed to sell toys, right? Um, it, it was just, it's a film that kind of takes itself seriously. Um, I know a lot of people complained about it because it like goes to Earth and everything like that. But uh, one thing I like about this documentary is you see Frank Langella talking about it, and he was really, really going for it. Um, and he took the role extremely seriously, and I think that comes out in his in his performance and some of the the lines he says. So I love I love the fact that 
again, it it just wasn't just dismissive of that film. Um, I, and it just goes in all those details. You know, they talk about the the kind of power dynamics of what was happening with She-Ra and all of that stuff, and and um, which I think is kind of topical with the new She-Ra coming out and all the hula blue about that. Um, so yeah, it was one of those ones where it's like I I actually popped on Netflix, uh, getting ready to watch um, uh, what's that uh, American Vandal season two. Uh-huh. Which I did end up watching, but I was like, as soon as I saw this He-Man documentary, I was like, yeah, I gotta watch this. That's awesome. Yeah, nice. I think saying the the toys that made us, I feel it's like half that and half the electric boogaloo. Yeah. But expanding way more on both. I mean, it it covers a lot of different material and stuff. I mean, like it's, you know, you can tell it's much more pro-made and uh, well-edited than like a lot of them. I remember I had watched one. I don't think I ever brought up on the show, but there was one about Jaws. Uh-huh. That I think I saw in Prime. Really? And oh, what, like literally. The shark one? No, it's it's in, almost entirely about collectors. Like oh, the, weird. Like it starts off kind of, you know, people, you know, recollections of why the... Because, I mean, obviously I feel all the supplemental materials on VHS, Laserdisc, DVD, Blu-ray, etc. over the years right. have covered. So it's, it's interesting to see like more as it's just about Jaws fans. But, I mean, it goes so, like, it, it's kind of great in one sense and terrible in another this one has a lot of literal fan service where you see kind of the super fans it's just like the ones about star wars star trek etc yeah, totally. but um i feel like you know it's it's well done i i like the coverage on the movie i've always enjoyed the film it's one of those ones i mean i didn't see it until long after much like a couple other movies you know uh like garbage pale kids the movie and stuff stuff that uh-huh. i mean i would have loved to have seen when i mean masters of the universe was my first true love in terms of like animation because it came out when i was four years old and it was just you know i was so into he-man um and uh you know i'd say like transformers came i think a year later then i was really into that and gi joe you know it's that kind of trifecta of the early to mid 80s but it which also (laughs) toys that made us is covered so well it's funny to watch in those two it's like you watch the the you know kind of old footage that they have in these documentaries and you know they talk about how it just completely took the world by storm and every kid had to have he-man and as a child of the 80s like i just have memories of loving he-man you know like i don't remember how i began to love he-man i think i have one of my my probably my earliest memory was and i must have obviously already been into he-man but my mom for uh, Christmas one year, and again, we were like really poor, so I don't know how she pulled this off, uh, but uh, maybe she was saving or something. But she got me like every one of the He-Man figures that was out at the time, which was pretty early on. So, you know, I don't know. There's probably, like, you know, eight of them, but it felt like 50, you know, yeah, like yeah, in definitely. my memory, because it was like she gave me one and I opened it. I was like, yeah, it's a He-Man figure. And then she would hand me another one and I would open these up and. I, yeah, I just remember just loving those toys. I remember loving the cartoon series, but yet I, it's funny because like when I watched the cartoon series after the fact, like I was like, I had no memory of ever watching them. So it's just, it's one of those things where it's like, it's always just like kind of ingrained in you. But I definitely remember going to see, I was a little older, it came out in 87, so I was probably 10 years old yeah. when um, uh, the Masters of the Universe came out. So I, I definitely, I went to go see that thing opening weekend just as I did see garbage bill kids yeah. the movie in the theaters opening weekend because my mom was awesome like that she would always like whatever movie came out 
on which Friday. you were lucky since it yeah. obviously didn't last more than a couple of weeks. Yeah, oh Masters yeah. Masters of the Universe didn't last long either. I mean, oh, yeah. in terms of their theatrical run. And that, I mean, is in an era where obviously films stayed for a long, long time. Definitely. So, in, um, I mean, I just grew up in an area where uh, we were so rural, there was right. no, that there was no bummer. movie theaters. So we only got to go see a few movies a year. Um, yeah, Garbage it, Pill Kids actually gave you Garbage Pill yep. Kids figures, or I mean, uh, the cards, cards yeah. uh, but they were like, I, I hated it because they were oversized, yeah. and like even mm-hmm. back then as a little kid, I was like, this sucks, I want to be able to put them with the rest of my GPK cards. Yeah, That's those funny. are actually some of the more expensive uh, GPK memorabilia sure. to try to find them in mint condition, a complete set. It's Yeah, it's interesting. I actually, we recently had a discussion with family talking about the mall that the movie theater was at, um, which was not close to where I was from, we uh, one of the movies. I my mother was asking me. She's like, I don't really remember it very well. What was it like? And I said, Well, you know, it was a small theater, only a couple screens at most. And I said, It, um, you know, had a you know, you usually have to wait in long lines outside because right. it had a small, small lobby. And um, the one thing I always remember about was the you know, especially if there was like a giveaway, and one of them was. They gave away, I think it was some issue of Nintendo Power for the Wizard. Oh, And I remember cool. we tried to get there so early, and it was, I think it was already gone or long gone by the time. You know, because back then, I mean, the tchotchkes and the promos and whatnot, that was just not common, like, to right. get anything. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, I look back on Masters of the Universe and stuff. It's okay to watch. It's kind of fun. I mean, it's, the, again, it's kind of the nostalgia thing. Like, people, I go, if you enjoy it, like, there's nothing wrong. But I think people have to deep down admit, like, you know, Transformers, G.I. Joe, and, you know, they're they're just toy commercials. They're not yeah, yeah. particularly well-written. I mean, there's very few uh, animation from my youth that I can honestly say was well-written, well-done. I mean, for like I said, the like great... Transformers, the movie, oh, is yeah, yeah, actually exactly. genuinely it's good. good. But, um, but it... yeah, those cartoons, for the most part, are nonsense. And I think if you go back and you watch them, you're like, oh, no, these aren't good. With the exception... Of the real Ghostbusters, which is oh, actually yeah, genuinely great. I actually recently, uh, this past, uh, over the holiday season, I actually watched um, um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the mm-hmm. first couple of seasons, which were oh, actually yeah. Yeah, still not great, but still much better than I remember. Yeah, like, especially silly, with, the, you know. with adult eyes and stuff. Yeah, nothing right. will ever compare to how good the real Ghostbusters is. That right. one has earned its reputation, I mean, for its quality. I mean, I'll, and that's the thing well, now. Well, wasn't that like a lot of the same people that went on to do like uh, Batman animated series, like Paul yeah. Dini and things like that worked on Real Ghostbusters? Yeah, and it's one of those things where, I mean, that's, you know, you talk about that kind of like dawn of, um, you know, the early 90s, a lot of those animation. I mean, I always thought, of course, a lot of stuff on the Disney Afternoon, Nicktoons, you know, getting into the early 90s. But, you know, nowadays you kind of like, I think that people have such a separation with animation because they you you have the whole adult swim culture now, right. which some of it I enjoy, but a lot of it I'm like, you know, and I grew up with like liquid television, mm-hmm. obviously a lot of the other stuff. Yeah. But I look at a lot of like the stuff that's coming out on um uh, like adult swim and I'm like, you know, not for me, but, you know, but people now kind of animation kind of has to be quote-unquote for adults and i'm like i think that's kind of stupid right if kids don't enjoy it and you can always tell because there's a lot of shows i don't think any kids watch any of these shows like i truly believe that like 
I think only adults do at this point in time. So yeah, it makes sense to it all. But um, I do like how the uh, that documentary like actually got into the behind the scenes of the cartoon mm-hmm. and talked about how they wanted to do all these things, but then they weren't allowed to. Yeah. Um. You know, because of the censors and how I think a lot of the reasons that it was kind of you know lame ultimately in retrospect is because of all those things that they held back on. But I'll always go back to the toys. I mean, the toys themselves yeah. are just so great. Um, they're so creative, and like everyone had a little thing to it that was interesting, and they, they were so brightly colored and all that stuff. So, yeah, it was definitely good. You know, scratch the right uh, nostalgia itch yeah. for me for sure. True. Well, I think they, too that the, the censorship thing is great to talk about, mm-hmm. but I, I always enjoy those bits on like the kind of satanic panic era, yeah, and the parents' like righteousness of you know parent television council and all those i well, just so always funny. found them interesting it like didn't do anything either right because i remember i have these very clear memories of when i was a little kid um i used to be you know i was kind of i don't know i was like a super latchkey kid in the way that like my parents worked nights um but there was one time that i would go over to i think it was an aunt's house um after after school and you know basically kill a couple hours until my parents could come pick me up or something like that um and so i would go there and like i would always love to watch he-man and she was like like super super christian and she wouldn't let me watch he-man um you know and she's like no this is evil this is satanic and of course you know look at skeletor and all that but it's like it's so funny because it was like so watered down because of the censors and it's like to think that even though they did water it down and make it completely silly it's like it wasn't enough the imagery enough was enough for people to say you know again satanic panic like you said no you're not allowed to watch this uh so yeah, yeah you know definitely but yeah anyway very good uh high recommendation on that um and then the uh, the other things uh just uh screened this on monday have a review up on the site um and is coming out on friday uh, but it's a film called The Sisters Brothers, uh, which is a Western by French director Jacques Allard. Um, probably mispronouncing that, but it's uh, it's got uh, River Phoenix, John C. Riley. Joaquin um, Phoenix? Yeah. yeah, I was going to say River or, Phoenix. I'm sorry, Joaquin Phoenix. Did yeah, we get hologram yeah. River Phoenix uh, in? He, 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 he's back from the dead, guys. Congratulations. Yeah, no, I was... Yeah, so yeah. Joaquin Phoenix is what I meant. Joaquin Phoenix, um, and then Jake Gyllenhaal is also in it. Uh, Riz Ahmed, um, so really solid cast. Even got like little cameos from uh, Rucker Hauer in there. Allison Tolman is in a really small role, and I well, love it's her. It's nice to see her showing up in more things. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think that after Fargo season one, like she hopefully got some more exposure, um, and I definitely hope to see her in, in some more roles. But yeah, she. It, it's just. So I, I this is a very very good movie. Again, reviews on cultfollowing.co if you want the you know kind of a light spoiler review on there. But it's um, it's a western, and I kind of thought this might be the case. I mean, this is a French director's first English language film, um, and he's doing this western. And is in a, in a lot of cases like you know I think about like Vim Vendors in yeah. Paris, Texas, right, where it's like you have these outsiders that are doing this Americana. And it always kind of has this this new point of view to it. Yeah. Um, and I really, really thought that was interesting. There's just all these these little moments in it 
that I just I've never seen in westerns before. Like you've got things like a guy's like learning to brush his teeth for the first time. You've got like you know like somebody who's like walking across a piece of wood instead of like getting his nice shoes covered in like mud and horse shit. You've got um, just like the darkness is the cinematography is great. Darkness is used very well. There's just because it, you think about it, it really would be dark in the old west, right? Mm-hmm. And you've got scenes where it's like you've got just like light coming through these like little tiny windows and he's like saloons and it's really dark in there um you know i didn't know i i actually hadn't watched a trailer for this movie before i saw it because i was like you know you told me about the screening i'm like you know if i got this far without ever seeing a trailer i'm just gonna not watch a trailer yeah go into this thing clear uh and i really i didn't know what to expect i mean i knew it had john c Riley, so it's like 90 percent chance it's a comedy right yeah um you know but it's it's definitely got some very very funny moments but it is not a comedy um it's not any one thing it's violent it's bloody it's uh it's a great western it's a comedy it's drama um it's a lot of different things i think you know it might have a hard time finding an audience because of that because uh, it's not an easy thing to just describe what it is for what it's worth i did watch the trailer afterwards and i think it actually does a good job of selling what that movie is it's not it doesn't just make it out to be something it's not um so yeah i mean if you're on the fence maybe check out that trailer uh if you like westerns just watch it it's just it's a very very good western that goes some places that i personally have not seen westerns go um and i think it's probably because of that fresh set of eyes on it yeah it bums me out a lot that actually john c Riley doesn't do more roles outside of comedy yeah. because mm-hmm. the few like uh we need to talk about kevin the good girl a bunch Magnolia. of other ones Code Magnolia. 46. Yeah, yeah he's a really real it's one of those people it's like um uh there's two people who died young two comedic actors i always think of that would made much more excellent um uh, villains and dark dramatic yeah. characters are both uh, uh, John Ritter and yeah. Phil Hartman would have mm-hmm. both if they had been given mm-hmm. more opportunities in their time. Right. Um, yeah. I think they would have um, really, really. Yeah, I think. Yeah, John Ritter did a couple. Sp- he did a couple, but he yeah. never got to do. He he didn't like even, Sling Blade and yeah. um, we well, did nowhere. Sling, even his role in Bride of Chucky is great. Yeah. He's he's a great villain. Like I mean, it's very funny how. That's not a huge role or whatever. I mean, like, you know, being the shit-kicking sheriff is kind of like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, you know it would be a most bit transparent part, but he actually brought a lot of roles to it. But he's one of those guys, too, who could really, um, like, like a sling blade where he could change his facial. I mean, I always think the master, too, of course, is like John Lithgow, Tim Robbins. I mean, talking yeah. about some bigger actors who do a lot of comedic, did a lot of comedic work, and then once they started doing darker films and dramatic roles mm-hmm. it's like wow you really you know what what range that some had and it's like yeah but then they get you know it's either they go, kind of go back to the ghetto of it like either because it's money it, even somebody like jim carrey you know is another one who's really proven himself but he's just now at that point where he cannot he, he I, I mean i just i don't think i even remember the last film i enjoyed jim carrey in i mean it's been a long time like mm. he he's really hit that point where it's like wow you had such a stride between like maybe ninety six and oh six and then it just tanked like I mean I I loved him in the Bad Batch but you know well definitely. yeah but that yeah. was the thing but like that's and that's a big thing that people are doing now is to disguise it we talked right. about the Bad Batch I don't think any of us even knew because we didn't even mention it 
I did didn't the, know until after yeah, the movie was over. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. But it's one of those things where I don't think a lot of people knew it. And I think, obviously, we even talked, like, on a liar note, like, Deadpool 2, you know, mm-hmm. I think it's become a big thing. Not quite uh, Halle Berry and Cloud Atlas, like, <laughs> makeup, but I think people are really into, like, um, you know, a lot of actors are like, well, I just, I want to pick a role where I'm not going to be instantly recognized. Right. And then see, you know, then my performance will be more ad- accurately gauged. Are you talking about Jim Carrey in Deadpool 2? No, 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 I'm saying okay. the Deadpool 2 of Matt Damon and oh, Brad okay. Pitt. I gotcha. Like, it's on a, like, okay. a lighter note. I understand. It's more fun, I was, like, I was just... like, wait a minute, did I not fight? It's, yeah. Is he in the movie and I didn't realize? <laughs> no, but you can start spreading on the internet and <laughs> see right. what happens. I mean, yeah, Just put it at it. the marquee at the Valley Yard or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's me. Yeah. No, sounds good. How about you, Victor? Um, let's see. What have I watched? Um, so... Uh, I think uh, a couple weeks ago I watched Predator. Yeah, we went and saw that. Uh, yeah, I still haven't heard back. I still haven't seen that, so I'm, I'm interested. I don't know if we talked about it last week. No, we, no didn't. we didn't. We, no. I think it was we. It was the following Monday. Victor and I went to the press screen, and it was uh, uh, Lowered Expectations Theater. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I don't. It's it's not anywhere as good as like the nice guys. Um, yeah, it's a bummer, man. Because that's what I've 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 heard. It's not great. Like I didn't I didn't really like Iron Man three, um, but I love nice guys. Yeah, you know, and I love like it, kiss kiss bang bang. Yeah, and it's not even like Iron Man three good. It's it's a lot of yeah. tropes that are tired. Is a nice way to say it. I'm kind of tired of. Uh, magical autism you oh, know that's the worst yeah yeah that's it's not quite magical negro but it's yeah. it's, it's getting it's close. just yeah that's the whole crux of the whole thing and like it's just weird because i was thinking about it and like there's it, it i don't know how old that trope is but i was thinking about it, i think the one of the first Mercury time horizon no <laughs> no I, the first one i can think I, of. the first one i can think of honestly is species with um forrest whitaker's character the right. yeah oh yeah yeah but it's like, oh, you know, he's a savant, you know, and, it, and it's like, it just goes on. This one just plays it to the nth degree, and it's really stupid. Um, I mean, all I, I can say is, like, he, I think Shane Black was going for this, like, weird blend of, like, uh, fan service and comedy right. in service of, like, a, an adventure movie. Because that's what everybody wanted out of this movie. Yeah, I mean, and to to a certain degree, I mean, I feel like that's not a terrible approach. I mean, it, uh, I don't I, know. I, I I'm at, saying in terms of like, there's a lot of different ways you could go about doing a Predator movie. You no, know? I think I think it's a Don Mancini situation. Funny enough, on like the Brian Chucky tip, uh-huh. where there yeah. was there's nowhere else to go at this point. Like, yeah, there really well, is and, and that's the thing. Like, you've gone like super serious. You've gone. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, and I feel like to me personally, I have no investment in Predator as a franchise, even when it became essentially like a secondary franchise yeah. to aliens i mean ultimately like i have i have uh i have investment in a predator in predator the first one yeah um, but like which I is just, essentially yeah. an arnold schwarzenegger vehicle that right. they lucked into like a really cool creature design from stan winston and it's an true. excellent yeah. yeah and it's yeah. A, and it's a really well-directed no, movie great too. score perfect yeah, exactly. everything yeah it, but that one is like lightning in a bottle yeah totally and, and this is it tries to recapture like the ensemble thing i mean and here's the thing i don't mind boyd hallbrook i mean i think he was fine in logan i mean that's pretty much what I can say about him. He's a fine actor. I mean, 
he's never gonna it, it's like every few years i feel like there's a guy that they decide like this is gonna be a guy you know and like the last few years it was jai courtney you know right. and then the couple years before that it was um dude who was in clash of the titans in the last terminator and oh, terminator yeah. salvation oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. and, and, and it's just, Avatar. That literally not one of us can remember. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He was like, no, he's the main right. guy in Avatar. He, he's, he's the he's main like guy age in class appropriate of, uh, yeah. Caucasian male actor, right? Yeah, it's and, like, and yeah, it's like exactly. completely forgettable. That Somebody so will be funny. like, It's totally that guy, you know, but seriously, yeah, it, no, this guy is but forgettable. It, but it's but it's the guy he's in Gone Girl. I don't even remember him at all in Gone Girl. I don't. Who is this guy? Appear. I think he was. I'm like looking at his picture, and I'm like, who is this guy? What's his character's <laughs> name in Gone Girl? Uh, oh no, no, he isn't Jeff? Gone Girl. He's uh, he's one of the. He's the guy who ambushes <laughs> oh, her in the right. hotel. He's yeah, the, he's I was gonna like say, wasn't it? Yes. got it. Okay, I was yeah. gonna say. It. I'm pretty sure it was him because that's yeah. such yeah. a small cast movie. Yeah, yeah, he was good in that. Yeah, and see, but that's that what girl I mean. was so he much was better. He was good in that. You know, just like he was good in other things I, right, mean, I right. think he's also in narcos you know but it's he's like he's the guy who they should get to play like john spartan or i'm not john spartan but like the halo guy i can't remember the, the main spartan guy oh. um you know or master chief right yeah, because yeah, yeah. like the whole idea and this is this is kind of like my where i've I'm going never with this. played halo okay but... well so the idea right is that in Halo, like, you don't see um, Master Chief's face, right? Yeah. And the whole time you're playing as Master Chief, and the idea behind that, in fact, they were going to, like, maybe reveal what he looked like, but then they didn't do it, and all these game designers are like, there's a reason why we don't. Because so you project you. yourself as exactly. Well, yeah, yeah, that's you also are called yourself. Twilight, Fifty Shades of Grey. Sure. The whole thing with Twilight is that explained to a million people. They go, "Why do people like it so much?" And I said, "Well, mostly why it has a large female audience." Is I go, it's three or four pages of descriptions about the guys, right? And then it's one paragraph exactly. about what she looks like. Exactly. She's yeah. as plain Jane as can be. But I said that's what a lot of writers of popular fiction do. Right. It's to put yourself in whatever role. You want. I mean, that's the whole thing. Like, yeah. Like, and that becomes a lot of people get very, um, what do you call it? Like, always the debate about the proprietary nature of a lot of, like, fictional characters. And uh-huh. I said, well, I go, unless they were actually really described, then you really don't know what they look like. And even if they do look like that, they're a fictional character. Yeah. <laughs> you fucking <laughs> right. idiots. Right. Like, yeah. I've, I've never seen people get so upset about such stupid shit. So, no, yeah. I mean, and that's just like, you know, and like I said, we could talk about that all day long, but I think one of the bigger issues, the movie has kind of like a janky plot where like the predator ship, like a uh, predator ship crashes on earth and then it runs into like this sniper you said team predator ship. Like, yeah, I, saw, I assumed like you meant like internship, no. like the predator ship. <laughs> passes yeah, to this I, I think of it more just like the old, the early 90s Kenner toys or whatever it was. Of the That's flame, li- where it's like, yeah, too bad it wasn't purple because that right. would have made way more sense. Yeah, like, gorilla predator. No, gorilla predator. Yeah. So basically, an alien. <laughs> basically, this ship crashes. Uh, Boyd Hallbrook's character, McKenna, mm-hmm. um, Finds a, you know, find, you know, gets into a short protracted fight without he blows a sniper mission, and he fi- ends up with some of the predator armor, sends it, mails it to himself, <laughs> mails it to himself, and then what ends up happening is it ends up at his ex-wife's house, played by Ivan Strahovski from well, Handmaid's I Tale. I love her. She. Oh, is oh. L- let me just get into this really quick. 
Olivia Munn is in this movie. Uh huh. Okay, I will touch on this in a second. Yvonne Strahovski has a tiny ass role in this movie, and she's fucking awesome in it. Yeah, she's great. Okay. She just plays his ex-wife, who's a badass, who's raising their magically autistic kid, who, of course, opens the predator weaponry and manages to control it and use it as a tool against bullying. Whatnot. That's a side plot. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, it literally is that. Yeah. That's an right. excellent summation. So it summation. sounds like this is kind of like a throwback to like 80s. Like yeah, it's super. This is, movies. yeah, this is, this is okay. where I'm getting at with it. So this is like Explorers this movie, with a Predator instead It's like, of like a, a cross spaceship. between Explorers and the, quest the Predator and 3 that would have followed the, the Quest. Nice pull. Yeah, I was going to say, or the boy who yeah. could fly on No, no, no. It, it's sex. literally, it's yeah. a pull between like Explorers and the movie that would have been. The sequel to Danny Glover's Predator 2. Right, right. Because it even has Jake Busey ostensibly playing his dad's, his, you know, Gary Busey's, you know, you know, Gary Busey was in Predator 2 working for a government organization. Essentially, Jake Busey's working for that same organization. It acknowledges Predator 2 and Alien vs. Predator happened. Nothing else. Okay. But here's where I'll get into the whole Yvonne Strahovski thing. So as a Sterling K. Gray, he runs the Predator Hunting Agency. Um, Sterling K. Gray is uh, Killmonger's dad in Black Panther. He's, okay. he's also right. in a bunch of other stuff. All right. But uh, he brings Olivia Munn in, who's like a bio... What the fuck is Christmas she? Jones? Yeah, yeah exactly. It's literally <laughs> where we're going yeah, with this. if you yeah. got and again, we're not. I'm not picking on the idea of having a woman playing this kind of a part, it, but it does totally come across as stupid having Olivia Munn playing essentially like a bio, alien biophysicist mm-hmm. who instantly, as soon as shit hits the fan, goes and grabs a trank gun and is like parkouring along the walls right. and stuff. The movie also thinks this is stupid. Right. And this is like this really weird meta thing. And I, I, we all know what happened with Olivia Munn and everything, you know, in the lead yeah. up to this movie. But literally the movie holds her character in this weird like comic relief in contempt character, which is super bizarre because bad shit happens through her throughout this movie. Like, oh, look, it's that girl. Bonk, she gets hit by something. And she's huh. not convincing at all as a badass. And the right. movie's trying to tell you this. Like, you're like, oh, she's trying, but, you is know. Is her role comedic at all? It should be. Okay. But it isn't. In fact, she has a, a stupid running joke throughout the movie where it's like, uh, you know, they bring her in. It's like, oh, we've got this alien. What it does is it goes from planet to planet and it hunts down creatures for you know, trophies, and we're calling it the Predator. It's like, that's not really a Predator. That's more like a sports hunter. Well, we're calling it a Predator. It's cooler. Later on, she describes it. It's like, and of course, Boyd Hallbrook's like, She has a point. Yeah, yeah, she does. And then he's like, you know, they're calling it a Predator. It hunts creatures down for sport. or or, And then he's like, that's not really a Predator. That's more of a hunter. Then she's like, doing that. You know, stupid. That sounds face. annoying. It's super annoying. And the thing that kills me, and here's where I get to the whole point. Yvonne Strahovski and her should have flipped roles because Olivia Mom is Olivia Munn is the mom to the autistic kid and with a little part I would have been totally fine with. Right. Yvonne Strahovski kind of being wasted in this role. Like every you know, we were like, Why is she like Yeah, she's really badass in this where I mean it's like but she's not badass in the respect of like it's realistic. It's sure, like sure. what somebody would do in response. The whole issue with the Olivia Munn thing for me, like with her her casting in this is like Victor said, super uneven. Like 
what her role is supposed to be. I mean, I like I said, she gets rescued at one point. Literally, the second she wakes up, she like finds a gun and is about to like kill the people who rescued her, and then she like drops the gun or something. Well, yeah, but it's also one of these things where I mean, it's a Christmas Jones thing without yeah. a doubt. But my big issue with you know, like I have never been a fan of Olivia Munn in no. any way. She's like, terrible in everything. I she hate really her. As, I hate her as Psylocke. I hate yeah, her. I liked her on Attack of the Show, like, like well, as I mean, a TV host, yeah, like a, over you know, a decade yeah. ago. Yeah. You but know, I mean, she's just one of those people. Like, but she's I, okay in like in the, Magic Mike. You but know? they're gonna, like, but but they're gonna keep pushing her constantly. Right. Like she's she's just one of those actresses where I'm like, you just. I, it's like if you had one of those breakout roles where I was like, wow, you really impressed me. Right. Like, it's like, wow, I didn't expect this from you. Um, you know, and it's like, it just didn't work. And for me, it's just one of those things, but I, I, it's funny. I just finally saw Peppermint. And it's just one of those things where it's not the issue of the strong woman or the resourceful woman at all. It has nothing to do with that because it could be the same thing with a, the same, like a male trope. But I mean, like when it's special forces guys, this is what you expect. Right. When it's these, when it's like this, you know, like he was saying, like the parkour part, especially. Yeah. Gets like she chases the predator out of the lab and you're just seeing there going, okay, first it starts off like way more kind of tense like the way it should feel yeah and then it just fully that was actually one of the only parts that i did laugh at was the the realism of like you probably would get hit like it would happen but then it starts getting played for laughs and it just kind of starts losing the the best part of the movie is the comedy because that's one thing shane black is good yeah uh, you realize then like halfway through this whole thing with olivia mine like there's a part where there are predator dogs and she shoots one in the head, which the joke is it makes it, like, stupid and docile like an actual dog. So okay. then it obeys Olivia Munn throughout the rest of the movie. Cool. Well, Great. it becomes... Well, first of all, when it first came out of the beast, I was like, ah, oh, the chatter beast has returned from bloodline. Like, Because yeah. it looks almost like that in, like, its own way. I mean, right. even though you saw it kind of, like, in Predators, yeah. like, in a, an amalgam of it, it just killed me. Like, Yeah, the CGI on the Predator dogs and the... Uh, super predator that hunts down the regular predator i can tell you there's a lot going on in this movie right it's just it's not really that compelling um, but it so is fun like, it, it I, is I did, it's like a night fun and i did too. yeah it's just one of those films you just don't want to think about it too exactly hard. what you don't i want to think know, about it, you don't probably want to watch it again so you guys have seen it and i don't know if like it, what got changed in the filmmaking but um, how much of a hand do you think Fred Decker had into this? Oh, I mean, it's all, yeah, there's a lot, there's a whole gang of, of the, the gang of guys who can't shoot straight, essentially, like, you know, it's got, like, uh, Thomas Jane and, uh, um, Keegan-Michael Key, they're, they're all, like, his gang right. of guys, and that whole interplay, it's, like, very, like, it, a lo- the movie essentially feels like the predator version of Monster Squad to a degree. hundred like, percent. Like even, even the predator dog should be this movie. Sh- I should love. This you movie. should, but it just it, um like when you describe it I in a linear way, it sounds better than it is. I should have probably gone to see the, this the, instead the, of gone to see Mandy yet again. Well, no, the it. way I look at it is it's very simple for me. It's like I had fun. Yeah, but it's like we go back to this time and time again. It's like yeah, I had fun and I enjoyed it. For the time I watched it, yeah. do I want to watch it again? Do I want right. it? No. no, it's like the it's a lowered expectation no. kind of surprise. Like I would watch Peppermint again before I saw this. Again. Well, yeah, but like yeah. for me, like when I say that, like it's kind of like because we always talk about how films, you know, people keep using like 
you know, it's a gem and it's a tour de force and all these kinds <laughs> yeah. of things. Like to me, the only film I've seen this year that completely blew away all my expectations was Upgrade. Like to date. It's oh, the yeah, only that's movie a really good movie. that I wasn't expecting anything from. Oh, that like, came out of nowhere. Yeah, it came out of yeah. nowhere. It's not a lowered expectations yeah. thing. It's just going, I'm going to give this a shot. I would say Revenge as well, but yeah. Well, I, I mean, enjoyed Revenge, too. I, I finally saw that. But I, I meant, started like, watching it. I, I can't really comment on it yet. It still has yet to grab me, though. Yeah, you need to But, I mean, it. it's one of those things. Like, I, I feel like, you know, how you, um, your criteria or how you grade things, like, a lot of people just, you know, they kind of go by their old standbys. And I'm trying to kind of establish totally. a new way of doing things. Part of it's actually been from this podcast over the years has been, like, show me kind of in a different way because you, you're seeing through some of the Pete, your co-host's eyes and it's like it helps it makes it a little bit different so yeah yeah, yeah. yeah totally yeah anything else victor um so i saw this uh this is on streaming right now it's this movie i had to watch it it looked cheesy enough it's called uh twin sanity <laughs> it's also the other the alternate <laughs> title is also um called the downward twin and it has um <laughs> not much better. <laughs> no, it's it's terrible. But basically the gist of it is it's like these uh two identical twins that um they run their own no yoga. Way it's got twins in it. Yeah, it has a if you watch Todd in the Book of Pure Evil, there's an episode that has a uh, twin sisters in it. They're also the twins in the Carrie remake. Right. Uh the strain twins, Carissa and I think Natalie are their names. But um it's they run their own yoga studio and then their mom dies and lives leaves them like a bunch of money and the one twin wants to go and like you know start her own deal like i want to start a small yoga practice or whatever the other one is like i don't even like yoga but like i'm doing this for us you can tell there's like this really weird like you know unspoken twin says thing almost it, and it's like, no, we're like together. And basically what happens is, uh. That's twin sane. Yeah, twin sane. So she. I'm just laughing more about the whole yoga studio. Like, no, no, no. More like I wanna, I want, I wanna go open my own shop that sells acai bowls. Yeah. Like, that's just the way I see it more. So, like, like, it's, it's a weird movie. So basically she goes to this yoga studio and there's like this dude there. And if you've seen the uh, Joseph Kahn movie Detention, he's, um, the gay teacher. Right. I've watched the first 25 minutes of Detention, yeah. so I can't speak to that. But um, basically, like she's like, oh, you know, I was meant to find you. So basically, she takes her half of the inheritance and goes off on a retreat with him. And the other girl is kind of left alone with their business, and she kind of snaps. So she decides, like, she starts talking to the mirror. Like, she's talking to the twin and starts blaming her for all her problems. Even cuts herself to get the same kind of scar as her on her back, of course. And then just, like has a split personality to her and decides to, like, hunt her down and kill her. And it's just, gotcha. it's super weird because, like, the premise sounds so hokey, but, like, the, the 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 two of them do such a good job playing this off. And there's, like, a lot of weird, they you know, they have dreams and there's a lot of weird body horror elements that are li- really freaky. Like, like her the scar on the girl's back is really vaginal looking and mm-hmm. there's a part where she's, like, scratching and goes in the mirror and does like this and then a hand comes out of it and like oh. grips her like almost like that scene in suicide squad where like you know she, her hands on the table and suddenly like another hand appears yeah like that it was just like whoa that's really freaky like so, so there's is like this little... kind of the mana too like i mean uh, a little I, bit there i feel like it's more like um 
like a fatal attraction thing with like or a like a single white female meets like fatal attraction kind of hmm. thing. It's it's weird. it's cool. weird. It's weird. I, yeah. I, it's like it's not even like a lifetime movie, which is what I thought it would be. Like it's it could have been. But it's just like it has. Which re- does tend it's to end a, up it's on gory. Your, uh, it's it's yeah. it's very gory, and it has like instant like weird like subtext to it. And I was like, oh okay, that hooked me long well, enough to watch it. Kind of sounds it. almost like Cronenbergish. Yeah, it does. War, yeah, so that's why I was kind of interested when you're talking about it. Yeah, but yeah, the title is Beyond Stupid, but the two girls do like a really good job in it. And I was like, eh, you know, they must have been producers in it in some way. I don't know. It just popped up on radar. I was like, yeah, fuck it, I'll watch it. So check that out. And, uh, nice. you know, other than that, I watched Mandy, but we're going to talk about that. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll leave that for the movie. Yeah. Um, let me see. I'll run up quick on mine. Uh, I just wanted to mention, just because it was funny when we were talking about, uh, Jake Busey was, um, Victor and I went out, to, uh, for our usual trip to Son of Monster Palooza to vend. And, you know, it's fun. Got to go to a few panels. I went to one for Killer Clowns, uh, which was excellent. Um, they played the new, uh, reimagined score the way it was supposed to be orchestral instead uh-huh. of synth right and it's actually really really interesting but plus also has the dickies um so it's always fun listening to kyoto brothers they always have great stories and then i um they also had a kuju kujo panel excuse me uh let's see here that was really well that had a lot of um uh interesting you know also great like kind of backstories and stuff but um victor was trying to get me to ask uh what's his name uh, from who's the boss? All these horrible questions, <laughs> but I'm like, now nah, I'm good. Danny um, Danza? No, uh, Danny. Uh, was it Pintana? Danny Pintaro? Pintaro, yeah. Speaking of, um, <laughs> speaking of who's the boss, Jonathan. Did anybody yeah. see Alyssa Milano during the 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 Kavanaugh testimony today? What she was literally there? Alyssa Milano yeah, was sitting behind uh, Kevin Feinstein's guest. Yeah, so. I was like, I was like, but seriously, I'm watching it the whole time. Be like, is that Alyssa? Is that Alyssa Milano? And I'd like Google it, and apparently it is. Yeah. It was oh. the most bizarre thing. Yeah, yeah. that anyway. testimony was like literally one of like the biggest. Oh my gods, ever. I mean, yeah, I watched it all day long. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, so did I. Yeah, from beginning that uh, I didn't, but shh, I didn't take i didn't work today i just watched that all day and cleaned the house it's okay <laughs> yeah Alyssa milano though Alyssa milano you guys have got to start finding better daytime <laughs> viewing um i was at work so yeah I, I um but the um uh, yeah, yeah the uh what do you call it um but yeah well, so, i want to know what questions though oh, oh sorry sorry <laughs> so, no uh, victor and i we victor and i always end up playing kind of a would you rather kind of game? I don't know how other describe it, but saying the worst possible things that we can, um, in a funny way. It's just like a very dark humor uh-huh. and stuff that Victor and I both have. So it's, it's a lot of fun, but, um, the interesting moment out of all of them, and there's some great stuff. It's funny talking about the satanic panic era. I finally got to meet both of the Rickies from Silent Night, Deadly Night parts one and two, nice. which I was extremely excited about. Um, so that was fun. But the most interesting interaction I had the whole weekend was Jake Busey. My brother wanted a Starship Troopers autograph, so I got one, and then he's like, you know, um, you know, I took a pic with him and stuff that was included, and he, um, like, I'm, you know, we talked for maybe thirty seconds to a minute, a couple minutes at the most, and the first thing he said to me is, he goes, "You really remind me of old Johnny," and I was like, "What?" And he's like, a classic Victor Moreno, like, what? 
Classic. Um, but it was <laughs> that look what? you're literally yeah, doing right yeah, now. The look you're doing right now. But anyways, he um did um he was like he was like yo Johnny T-. I'm like Johnny T what the fuck are you talking about, dude? He's like you know John Travolta, and I'm like <laughs> whoa whoa that is one I have never gotten <laughs> yeah. man, in my whole life, man. And um he's like you really look like him and you really sound like him, and I was like. I All really right. don't, I don't know whether really I should take either of those. those, and hey. I don't know whether to take that as a compliment like, or an insult. Yeah. Like, I mean, are we talking That's like Saturday I mean. Night Fever? So like... what I told him was, is that my one of the first girls I ever dated when I was like in fifth grade, like probably my first one of my first girlfriends, it must have been fifth or sixth grade, told me I look like Gilbert Gottfried. So <laughs> I, I'll leave it at that. Is pretty much, you know. That's why oh, I told him, good. and he laughed. But um. Yeah, uh, so that it, it, some months blues is always fun. I always enjoy it. Is um, it like because I I've never been, but like I did go to um, Mad Monster. Sure, sure. For like sure. my second time, but my first time ever really going to Mad Monster is it like a lot like that? It's more heavy on effects. They have a lot okay. of live demonstrations yeah. of special effects makeup. The guy who runs it, Ellie Broads, he's a great guy. He's um true defender of the faith. He um is actually an incredible artist and mask maker. I own a couple of his masks and huge fan of his work. I always really appreciate that he does it every year. That he he's expanded into this huge empire with both Son of Monster Palooza and Monster Palooza. But I just want to say, you know, it was a lot of fun as usual. So appreciate it to Elliot. And I do want to say thank you guys, by the way, for giving me that Mandy poster. I already got oh, it yeah, framed no up. No so, problem. Yeah. But um, yeah, other than that, though, it's funny because we, we started talking on the nostalgia tip. One I could not resist doing is uh, it was a one-week-only engagement, and I had to go see Michael Jackson's Thriller in IMAX 3D. Oh, I'm really envious of that, uh, actually. Well, what did it still, play with? still running till tomorrow. It's uh, House with the Clock in its Walls. That's it, right, and which is an Eli Roth movie, apparently? Yeah, it is an Eli Roth <laughs> wow. movie. It's so weird. I had no idea. Yeah, he's kind of getting... I'm like, I'm kind of <laughs> waiting for his future of, um, you know, family, like almost like an Eddie Murphy daddy yeah. care kind of way that i'm kind of waiting for his uh his uh you know oh hey i'm i'm directing one of the air <laughs> bud movies but um so wait you're saying that's through to my so i mean because it's in imax it was, it right was a one week engagement um it was i believe started september 21st and end september 28th because it's because today's thursday so wouldn't like today be the last day oh i am no i think it is tomorrow okay. but i might be wrong okay. i don't know um, but if you get a chance to go see it, um, for anybody who was listening or they got to go see it, I mean, I, I Thriller was, I mean, Michael Jackson, I mean, is my number one person I always wanted to see perform. I was such a huge fan as a kid. I'm still love it, you know, especially his, or obviously his early work. But he, um, you know, I mean, just that mix between him, John Landis, um, you know, Rick Baker, Vincent Price, just like a perfect storm of people, like, and still, but getting it to see it in IMAX 3D, that, you know, the sound, the visuals, but definitely the, um, it, it's just one of those things where I just could not believe how amazing it is. That's awesome. Um, so I just, I, I still love it. I love it even more every time I see it. Yeah. Um, and so just, uh, if you get a chance. Really cool in 3D. Yeah, really cool in 3D. Actually, it's one of those ones that, you know, really, um, you know, really popped and stuff. It just, it, it, you know, no king of pop joke intended, <laughs> but it really, um, I, I just, you know, it's, it's almost like kind of leave you, it's in that feeling of very in awe, like starstruck and stuff. It's just, 
you know, the cons, almost consummate and amazing entertainers that ever existed. So I just, you know, really recommend it. The House of the Clock and its Walls, I'll give a short review. I may write one for Cult Falling, uh, for the website. I have no idea. It's not gonna blow you away. It's just funny to realize, like, um, you know, you now know why, of course, Jack Black didn't do Goosebumps 2. Uh, apparently he is in Goosebumps He is too. in it as a cameo, but I meant that he probably would have had a starring yeah, role right. had they made it, like, last year. It is really weird. All the new trailers for it are, like, super prominent, like Jack Black, because I think everyone was like, why isn't Jack Black in Goosebumps too? Well, it's just one of those <laughs> things where, I mean, it looks, like, really cheap, really bargain basement, <laughs> whereas I actually enjoyed the Goosebumps movie. So, Me too. Um, it, but it's, um, The House of the Clock and its Walls, it falls into that kind of... um series of unfortunate events you know mm-hmm. kind of like because it's an older young adult book um that i think is much creepier when it was released in the early 70s but i think it's it's just one of those things where it's enjoyable um it, it's you know uh jack black and um kate blanchett are both good I, i'm sorry i forget the young lead's name but he's um you know he does he does an admirable job i mean it's got a pretty small cast of people um interesting i did not know at all that kyle mclaughlin is the villain yeah. which was enjoyable and he actually has a great makeup towards the end it actually reminded me a little bit more of the frighteners so i kind of got a little bit more nice. interested not anywhere near that good sure uh, speaking of also jake Busey, but right. it was enjoyable um the problem with um you know these kind of movies is this one gets a little uh uh you know scarier especially at the very end i mean it has Almost like a little bit more gore and stuff, but it, it goes into all the tropes of family films and, you know, especially of modern family films. Like, you gotta have, you know, some kind of fart joke or, you know, poop joke and stuff. And it just kind of hits a point where you're like, okay. And then there's some other ones that just really fall flat, like the jokes. Um, it's, you know, it's a fantasy and stuff, but it's supposed to take place in 1955 in Michigan. And I'm like, I'm not 100% sure this cast is is really resembling what 1955 Michigan <laughs> looked like. Right. But, you know, it's, you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't really make a difference. It's, like I said, it's a very small cast. It's mainly focused on them. And it's, it's a fun little fantasy. If it had been a little darker, I think it would have been better. And I kind of expect that from Eli Roth. But, um, you know, it is what it is. But, I mean, go for Thriller. Um, I mean, it's funny that it's only whatever eighteen minutes, and it's like right. fifteen bucks in IMAX. I use the I, uh, AMC A list, so well, I got. But I mean, you also get House with the Clock and Walls, walls right? yeah, which yeah. is worth you. Right. Would you pay at least five to seven bucks for? Anyways, it's sure. it's worth checking out. Um, and then the only other one I wanted to catch up on was actually my kind of big. Sup- well, I'll I'll preface that quickly, just because I weigh it's funny a Son of Monster Palooza anecdote was. I when I went a couple years ago, they had uh, both years. I think it was 2016, 15, 16, or sixteen, seventeen. But it was um, the producers of the Exorcist TV series. And my question both times in the Q and A was, when is it being released on uh-huh. DVD or Blu-ray or whatever? And they're like, we have no idea. Both times, I had no idea until I randomly came across in a store that it came out in July. Oh wow! Both seasons. Huh. Only on DVD, no Blu-ray, Jeez. no special in features. In this day and age, and no I Blu-ray. am not joking. I literally thought they were Chinese bootlegs because it's like a manufactured on-demand disc. 
right. with like right. really shitty. I mean, it's not dot matrix printers, but you're talking like a looks like a mid '90s laser printer yeah. quality. So just um, it's always sad when that happens. Like, yeah. um, uh, what's that one A twenty four movie, the Neil Gaiman one? Uh, Neverwhere? No, no, no. The oh. one that just came out that oh. uh, has Elle Fanning. Oh, the one that... Uh, oh, the, the, the How to Talk to Girls, Girls Parties? Yeah. yeah. Right. It, it only came out on DVD. A24 didn't even shell out to put it out on Blu-ray. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah. That it's a way so more common weird. practice than you believe. It's just... It's also the low qu- quantities. That's Like, I started realizing I just saw a new list online. No, you should get it because it'll be harder to find yeah. in the future. Yeah, it's true. I'll, I'll pick it up myself, too. But it just sucks because, like, you know, like, honestly, like, DVD, like, give me VHS before you give me DVD, honestly. Yeah. Like, because I just yeah. find that, like... You know, there, there's, I don't know, and maybe this will change later, but I think just because of like the low resolution of DVD, but yet without the kind of, um, you know, certain, uh, je ne sais quoi that something like a VHS has, the warmth of a VHS, it like falls in this ugly middle ground. Well, I think the thing with DVD is, is that for me, I have a lot of DVDs and the reason I do is because they're films I'm never going to upgrade to Blu-ray or 4K uh-huh. or anything. And most of them are never going to get released on either format. They right, do, right, right. And I'm buying them for a buck. It's it's like it's like the sure. the, the cheap quality of it. But I mean, I, I mean, just bought four DVDs for twenty five cents each. Yeah, today, that's so what I mean. I mean. Certainly, uh, yeah. They're, they're, it's a cheap way to get um, sometimes enjoyable entertainment. A lot of, a lot of junk, but it's fun. But I mean, it's it's crazy. Like in contrast, the last series I watched was you were so kind to get Josh was so kind to give me uh, the terror on blu-ray for um my birthday so i binged that oh yeah recently. i still haven't even heard what you uh, thought about it um well i don't want to take up too you much time it. here no i actually really enjoyed it uh great cast incredible acting great set score everything it's just that um it's one of the only ones where i felt like uh, it was probably a couple episodes too long yeah i could see just that. just in um there was parts that i'm just like if they had just ended it here uh, not, I love the way it ended. I, love, I think I kind of do think it was yeah. like intentional. Like he wanted sure, sure. to like give you just this feeling of like, just like hopelessness. Yeah. That's and like by bleak. dragging it's, it out. Yeah, like it's but very yeah. bleak and, uh, which I love. I love a very, especially in the mid 19th century. I mean, yeah. you really got to put yourself there and realize what is in the middle of the, you know, Arctic circle. It's just, it's, it's a very, um, well done. Um, obviously. I would have appreciated a more practical creature. Yeah. But, um, you know, it, it, it kind of got a little golden compass there a couple of I think, like, that, honestly, yeah. that I think probably even sub golden compass, you yeah, know, I, I think say. they were, they were dealing with like a very limited budget yeah, they in that were. film. But it was uh, still show. incredible yeah. what they got in terms of, uh, period accurate costumes, the, um, just the, the whole, the whole visual, but the performances. Yeah. Especially the leads are absolutely I think it's like you almost look at it like a stage play. Yeah. You know, it's like that's kinda like especially that's as it went on. Say, like yeah. I looked at it or or like like a masterpiece theater on PBS, like where it's like, you know, the performances are so damn good here that I'm gonna overlook a lot of the the production elements. I think it, I think probably what happened is they ran out of money because if you look, those like first true, few true. episodes like are so just solid, and then just when it goes on, it's like I think they had no money. Yeah, like, let's finish this anyway. Yeah, um, but still totally. really really good. I mean, yeah. it's definitely worth checking out. I mean, for the price of admission, it's one I'll revisit in the future mm-hmm. because it has got so much going on. It it is very stage 
oriented, like dialogue heavy. Um, it, um, it's, but it's, it's just really good. Definitely check it out. Yeah. But, um, it's just crazy to see how, of course, gorgeous that presentation is. Right. And I really enjoyed the Exodus season one. I, um, as most people know, I don't have, I've mentioned several times, I don't have cable. I don't have even an interest in a lot of things because almost like I couldn't imagine watching this every week, like you said, uh-huh. that with the terror. Yeah. Like, it's great to be able to watch it all at once. And yeah. I'm really become a big fan of that. I like being able to watch it as I believe it was the way it was intended to be watched. As I, much as I yeah. enjoy serial format. I, like, I think that like specifically the terror is like best watched in one sitting yeah you know because of the way that it has like this building feeling of dread i did it in two parts i Mm -hmm. watched like five hours and i watched like the other five totally or whatever um the extra season one i just want to quick say was excellent extra season two not so much but finally here so we can move on to the meat the last one i just wanted to quick mention up because it was another big surprise for me um was my only other theatrical outing was i went and saw a simple favor Cool. Oh, really? Which is uh, Paul Feig's new one. And it is absolutely one of the funniest movies I've seen this year. I practically <laughs> pissed myself laughing a couple of times. Is it this year's uh, Girls, Girls trip? trip? No, not at all. All right. It, it's not Bridesmaids. It's not a Girls Trip because it plays. It's literally like almost a version of it's it's uh, pitched and in the trailer a lot is a um, like a suspense mystery. It's like a gong girl. In a lot of it, but uh-huh. it, what it really is is it almost remind me too of this um, in spots of uh, the series Scream Queens, oh, yeah. which will never ever be duplicated, especially that yeah. first season. How good it is! Yeah, um, so underrated. But um, you know, just very great dialogue, excellent performances by both Blake Lively and Anna Kendrick. Um, what's his name? The lead from um, Crazy Rich Asians is the husband. Um, oh, the so boyfriend. Sorry. Yeah. I, I uh, can't, yeah, can't remember his name off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, just really fun. It's very inventive and like enjoyable. Like, um, no, I'm not, it's not even close to being as funny as a uh, girl's trip or is, is interesting, but just such a surprise. I just thought it was going to be total dog shit. Like, right. like real boring, real tropish, blase. Henry not, Golding. By Henry the way. Golding. Yeah. I want to say his name was Henry. Yeah, yeah, I just could not remember off the top of my head. But he he was great um, too in this one. Um, even though it's funny because he just ends up being kind of, um, it's like him trying to do a more uh, not dr- almost a dramatic turn. Um, and he's he's a guy who I don't know. He's going to be one to see if he ever can really like break out because he kind of is so far i've seen a couple films is pretty similar but um still good but the uh the 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 leads the female leads in this i mean they're the heart of the movie um if it's actually a really enjoyable mystery suspense um the way um anna kendrick becomes kind of like you know her own gumshoe pi thing is really enjoyable um uh there's a great um very small appearance by Linda Cardinelli. Um, <laughs> cool. You barely recognize her and stuff, but it, it's it's fun. I just it's one of those films like I just didn't have any expectations for and came out and was like, um, wow, this was really really enjoyable. Like that's I always use that word, but that's what film is to me a lot of times. Yeah, totally. I, I enjoy introspection. I enjoy the uh, uh, what allows me to have more thoughts or generates discussion. But there's some films I just want to go in and 
like we always talk about, this is not a movie I would end up probably rewatching many times. Mm-hmm. But down the line, I can totally imagine picking up and going, I just want to hear that dialogue again because it's just very fun, very snappy. Awesome. And just, yeah, it's worth checking out if you especially. It's um, definitely a movie that, like, I like I'm going to oh, rent at the video store when yeah, it comes exactly. out, and I'm going to be very happy about well, it. Well, yeah, it's just one of those ones, like, I just don't, I think people go in with really, really, like, oh, this is going to be awful. And I mean everybody. I mean, I think a lot of people just kind of think it's going to be something real, almost young adult, I guess sure. is the best way to describe it. And in a way, it is. They're basically adults playing teenagers, but that's, but it it takes these really kind of, like, dark and, um you know real uh it, it's got like a it's almost a black comedy mm-hmm. it, it is in a lot of respects but just just not 100 percent there but still worth it 100 percent. so awesome all right all right i think we are ready, ready for ready 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 <laughs> I'll leave the I'll leave the impressions to you. I didn't yeah, no. But what I will say That's is good. uh it I worked. think one of the things we all watched uh in the past week, multiple times perhaps, <laughs> was the new Panos Cosmatos revenge film Mandy. There's not a lot you can really say. I mean the plot is kind of simple i think it's more of an experience it is yeah i mean people are gonna you know just just say whatever sentence you want to say and then say on acid yeah afterwards apparently which is it's funny because like i've heard so many people like say that and i'm like none of y'all have done acid no nobody does acid I mean, i've done acid but you guys you know like yeah. all these critics are like it's like this on acid please you don't know yeah. with that said it's so like acid <laughs> like i mean because i'm gonna tell you you know who i know who has done acid panos cosmoso Cos- oh, cosmanos yeah. i promise you that dude has done acid um and it, it's just yeah it's a truly um uh you know I saw this actually um, in like the, a description of the Suspiria 4K remake was like phantasmagoric, yeah. you know, and that's how this film feels, right? It just feels like it's it's this uh, elemental primal is the word that I heard. I actually, by the way, did listen to the Shockwaves um, uh, interview, interview with that you Hannah suggested, Cismatos, yeah, yeah, um, and that was very very good. And you're yeah. right, very kind of uh, headache inducing as they're like, oh, it was like this, and it was like this and it was like this and it's like oh i haven't seen any of those yeah movies. and it's like <laughs> i'm not a fan of presumptuous interviews right and this was one of where those... it's like look at all these references that i know like oh i bet i got what you were going for was it was it this and it's like no dude like it wasn't absolutely um but yeah mandy i mean i guess yeah you can easily just describe it as um you know just a revenge film i think yeah right? Um, but yeah, it, it is about that, that whole sensory experience of it. Yeah. I mean, to a certain degree, it's, it's one of those things where you take a genre and kind of just like apply your own experience or lens to it. It's like, it's almost like El Topo, which mm-hmm. is like on its face, a Western, but totally not a Western. Right. Like this, like super bizarre, like stream of consciousness raising movie about like god and fate and not being able to escape your destiny in a lot of ways and it's like 
it's one of those things afterwards just thought it's like yeah I, I could tell like you know panos cosmatos clearly is like you know into like stuff like jodorowsky or like mm. weird mind expanding films and but it's like this movie i mean like half of i mean you could tell if you listen to his interview on shockwaves where it's just basically like he just writing this movie was cathartic, a cathartic experience right coming out of making beyond the black rainbow which is a super controlled movie which i personally am not that into um this yeah. this one is like totally up my alley though you right know? so it, it's just like this you know primal thing you know like when he describes it's like this journey from loss to becoming a deity but it's like there's so many different ways you can open it up i think what i like about it is something like when i was really into like mulholland drive when it first came out mm-hmm. and that movie doesn't really have like it has a very basic plot but it you can kind of interpret it however you want and that's what i really liked about it like you were kind of bringing yourself mm-hmm. into it to a certain degree sure you know, and then like Mandy, I don't think is as open ended as something like Mulholland Drive, but at the same time, like it's, it's experiential in that same way. No, but I mean, you definitely did have some interesting reads on it, like the whole you know thing. Which I mean, I, I I didn't hear him talk about it in this interview, so I think it's more of just a read that you have, which I think is better, right? I mean, I want yeah. you know, film should be interpreted, but about the whole idea that she essentially knew what his fate was and her fate was and that 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 scene of them like meeting in the bar and she looks at him and is kind of like knows everything that's going to happen but still makes the decision anyway yeah um which again unless i missed it i don't actually i didn't hear panos talk about but i think that that's a very interesting and i think valid read on it um is is kind of the viewpoint of her as an oracle essentially um, you know, but I, and I guess or like, like even like a muse thing. Cause like I was yeah. thinking of something like, you know, when you watch Donnie Darko and, mm-hmm. um, like his girlfriend is yeah. like talking about some people are just faded to tragedy. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I do think, you know, so one thing that I, I really loved, um, about, you know, what, what he had talked about and it, I don't know, in a, in a way it was like, I wanted to, cause I'm still, and I'm, and I'm not rushing this, but I am writing a piece for the site, but I just, I really, I'm taking my time. It's nice to not have a deadline, you know, cause I can yeah, just right. like take my time and write the, this like as I want to write it and re-edit it and everything. But in a way, when I was writing my kind of essay on Mandy, it's like I didn't want to hear what Panos Cosmatos had to say about it because like I wanted to be able to just take it from a point of criticism. Mm-hmm. But then I, I found that like a lot of the things that he was talking about were things that I was already writing about. So it's like, okay, I, I am getting what you're saying here. And part of that being, and I really loved this, is the the focus on the victim. You know, because if you take and, you know, he said one of the big influences for him was like Death Wish, right? Yeah. And, um, you know, but you have like these revenge movies where so often the person is like, you know, you get some, you know, females fridged, right? You know, like that yeah. whole thing, right? And so it's like, and it's just the idea is that they're, they're very kind of thrown away and it's there, they're just there as an impetus for the tragedy to motivate the male. But what I, I love about it was that this one, it's like her spirit 
is throughout everything. And it's like why I think it's called Mandy, right? Is because she is this, this thing that like infects the beginning of the film, the end of the film. She's the motivation for Red. Um, she is, you know, his, his motivation to be good in the beginning and his motivation to be, uh, you know, like a, a, a deity of vengeance, you know, at the end, right? Um, so that, that was a really interesting thing about it. Um, I guess just like for it, it, this seems almost ubiquitously like talked about and loved, but I, I think if anybody doesn't know, you know, Mandy is a tremendous Nicholas Cage, uh, Panos Cosmatos joint and check it the hell out if you can. It's super, super good. But, but, um, what I found really interesting is that amongst our kind of, uh, circle, you know, of people like us, yeah. like, it's this is like the prodigal son like i and and i and i'm really interested to hear actually what your take is on it uh kirby because like i don't know i've just heard everybody gush about it so much and it's like well deserved but like did did you have that same kind of reaction actually no not at all yeah it, and it that's really what is. i'm interested well, to no, hear. no no the whole thing about it is, well first and foremost it's just very funny we're just talking about like hidden actor kind of like appearances right and it's funny you talk about like his his love of and heavy influence of death wish i was like i wonder if one of the cenobites is uh jeff goldblum as a rapist <laughs> you know right. just just throwing it out there, right right um you know reprising his rapist role but um right you know my whole thing with mandy is is that i i definitely want to go see it theatrically um you know one because i've heard that's definitely a better experience it's yeah, still available definitely is. if not you know it's fine i just I happen saw at alamo tempe yeah. and at alamo chandler chandler yeah, myself. definitely has better audio it definitely did hopefully that got fixed but yeah it definitely was a better um, audio experience and i just watched it pretty late at night but right. then, well, i was very very tired after a long day um actually after vending at monster palooza so it was one of those things where um it was um, probably actually a good way to see it too, because it's almost like lulling me to sleep. Right, because I'm right. Going, I was, you know, just exhausted. I passed out right after. But for me, it's it's I enjoy, um, you know, phantasmagoric, um, you know, these kinds of movies. I mean, I will outright say it though that I mean, I think one of my biggest issues was this film could have been at least 30 minutes shorter mm. and still would have had the exact same impact for me. It probably would have actually increased its quality. Now question, where would you have trimmed that 30 minutes? I, you know, there's just, that's the problem is, is that you look at the vision of a director and a cinematographer and stuff and you go, well, you know, what was this shot? It's intent or what mood does it evoke? You know, it's those kinds of things. You have to be, it's, I think, more of a personal impression. Mm-hmm. And I'd have to watch it again. I mean, I obviously have not gotten to anywhere near the depth that you guys, because it just didn't have. It, this isn't like, for me, like, Hereditary is that way, where Hereditary, I would watch like four or five times in right. a row, you know, just because um, that's how much it had an impact. Mandy, the, the two questions I really have about Mandy, and I completely mean this in the end is for me is is that if Nicolas Cage was not in the starring role what kind of impact would this film have had and I tr- and not because of his performance or anything like that because he gives a great performance but I think it's also because of Nicolas Cage just like mom and dad mm-hmm. and a lot of these other films where people are like well I just want to see Nicolas Cage go face off drive angry crazy mm-hmm. which he does I mean this is nothing new that Nicolas Cage has done it's well, just that, it's also very restrained in yeah. this cage when you actually well, no, watch no. the film. Well, no, I watched the film. What right. I'm saying is the right, whole right. end is batshit insane. 
the whole lead up to it, the catharsis, the the journey he undergoes is him, you know, it's his heart of darkness or whatever way you want to look at it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of very classic literature elements to it because it's it's in the end. Yeah, it's just a very um, what do you call it? Uh a very thin outline it, it i mean like you could yeah. you, you know everything he at in the film is, is in the end like if you were just pitch it like to somebody somebody be like sounds fucking you know like whatever like i mean i like I, like a studio head i imagine oh i totally you know, get most, that yeah if you like you were to tell a friend they would if you were just make it simple not say who's it starring not who it's directing not even what it's about just the very rudimentary plot like it's kind of like an apocalyptic movie like uh, an alternate 1983 where uh, you know it's wife she gets kidnapped by a cold and then she gets killed and then like he takes revenge on her against these kind of like weird cenobite biker things it's almost weird science like and then it has this crazy like you know fucking suspiria ending like people would be like you know, I think you'd have like interest. yeah. But what if I told you this? What if I told you that it's a story about a uh, a warrior who has been filled with violence, and then he sets down the sword, and then he finds his woman and goes and lives yeah. out in well, the middle of the forest, which and is, then this necromancer who controls these evil demons. That's actually the way it was pitched. I am becoming more and more of a firm stance against trailers. Uh-huh. I'm not watching. Yeah, I don't I go watch see trailers. I don't think I ever saw the trailer. Wait, no, I did see It's it great. Tra- yeah. yeah. But I mean, I'm just becoming firmly against it because I want to really have a very, um, you know, blank slate. Yeah. Like, I want to have an impression where I just don't know. Now, some films are just unavoidable. I mean, mm-hmm. the biggest thing is the only reason I see trailers half the time anymore is because they're YouTube ads or yeah. whatever. You know, they're an ad right. or something. I'll just finish out yeah. this. Is, is that I enjoyed Mandy. I'm not going to sit there and be like, I didn't. It's just, it's one of those things where I think if you are like a huge El Topo, San, San Sangre, you know, Jorowski, which I do enjoy, that's not the way I felt this film. It was, there was plenty of times where I was just kind of like, it is a looking at the watch kind of moment because I'm like, you need to, it, it just, if they had cut 30 minutes and made this, not because I need a 90 minute running time because my, my, uh, attention span isn't that broad. Mm-hmm. That's not the case at all. It's just one of those things where the way I would have liked to have seen this film and the director's vision of it are just different. But I feel like a lot of things with this movie, it's, there's parts of it where I'm just like, this is, you know, it's like, like I loved, of course, like the Cheddar Goblin sequence. You know, it's hilarious. It's such a great, interestingly, like, like one of my least favorite parts. Yeah, about but it. exactly. But that's because that's the way a lot of people feel because they feel it's like outside of it. And that's my thing. It just thing. feels pandering. It, it feels is like, pandering. it feels like, hey, we want to have some cool little inside joke about this. But and so most, look at the Cheddar but most, Goblin. But it's an adult swim thing. Most of this film to me is pandering. That's, I guess, it's actually excellent that you bring that up because that's the way i feel about it you need to explain that pandering in the sense of like look i look at movies and i see where pete like i said a big part of this film to me is nicholas cage both Mm -hmm. as its strength because of his performance but it's also because like i said people it's it's like a rick and morty thing rick Mm -hmm. and morty is a great show yeah, but Rick is. and Morty is one of those things where it's also been co-opted yeah, to become this, like, I don't even know how to describe it. It's this weird, like, hot topic meets hipster kind of bullshit meme culture. I get more, like, 4chan-y type well, no, of people. Well, no, no, well, there's that, too. But I just, it's very I... difficult to explain. It's almost more of an emotion 
than uh, like a, a cognitive thought. It's it's a, almost a, a weird resentment of it, almost because you just get so it, it's people are just so overblown with it. If you enjoyed right. it, if it had a great impact on you, I always go back to this refrain. I never have a problem with people's individual experiences with it. It's that with anything, whether it's anything in like entertainment, poli- uh, entertainment, film, music, or on the other side of like politics and social issues, is don't try to bend, impose your will on me or your ideal like an imprint, imprint as like a propaganda. Because for me, Mandy is a good film. I mm-hmm. enjoyed it. Totally. If I'm not gonna, it, it's not gonna just be my it top just didn't 10. connect with you. It as just much. didn't. Co- totally that's reasonable. a great way to put it. Yeah. It just didn't connect the way it does with a lot of people. Now I think there's some people who have a more, um, you know, for whatever. Like I said, you don't have to justify. It doesn't have to be because it's a very emotional experience. It's uh, a very, uh, you know. Here's you know, the thing, too, man. And so, I mean, and you're you're well aware of this. I mean, being mm-hmm. somebody who's been a film fan your entire life, and you are a film critic and a writer, and you know, you understand all of these things that that so much of that not just is subjective upon you know who you are but also the conditions in which you saw it your first experience with this film was tired on a small screen and who knows maybe had you had that first experience in a theater booming music right sure. maybe you would have yeah. had a different experience sure. but it's and it's not also i just want to make this abundantly clear it's not to have a contrarian opinion because mm-hmm. i always hate that and i hate people who have it it has nothing yeah, to do yeah, with that yeah. because it's not a dislike this is no well, you're not being uh, mindlessly dismissive of well, the film well, like i like i've seen people say yeah oh the beginning is boring no I, I actually mean, the beginning i enjoyed probably more exactly than i did the end because that's that's I exactly where i am with i it. love the the scene where she comes into the the convenience store or whatever i love those kind of slow burn yeah. um I, at first when i first saw him the 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 cult leader i was actually more excited i'm i'm so sorry his name off Linus the Roach well, yeah, well, Jeremiah played, Jeremiah. The yeah, yeah played by Linus Roach, Roach. Yeah. i thought he Batman's was dad. i thought yeah. he was fully crippled Oh, like yeah. when he was lying yeah, down, right. so I kind of liked it. I was like, "Oh man, I really hope well, he's was, like." I a feel super... like that was like an homage to um, Apocalypse Now, like how yeah. you first meet Kurtz. Mm-hmm. He's lying on the cot, right? You know, right. Yeah, there's a lot that. of that in there. Where like, um, you know, when they first come across like the biker gang in the forest, it's the exact same shot of David and the Lost Boys. You're right. That that is. I mean, if that's not a direct homage, then that's just crazy. And the movie does that a lot. It like throws it's like it's this weird thing where it's like clearly referencing like other movies to kind of like give it this like flavor of like cult movies. You know, but like remixing them in like kind of like a Tarantino way. Well, and that's exactly literally exactly what I was about to say. You know, I was going to say what I but the if I'm going to compare this to anybody it's Tarantino. Yeah. Um and that's what it really really feels like. It's just that rather than co-opting things like black exploitation yeah. um and 70s music and stuff like that, he's co-opting um, you know, late 70s early 80s sort yeah, of sandals I mean, yeah, like um you know like a lot heavy of it metal. Is like that it's yeah. like heavy metal i mean all the oh, animation yeah. sequences are totally right. like straight out of uh heavy metal right. like darna or whatever you know and like the 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 font treatment on mandy looks like half the shirts that you wear yeah. kirby you yeah. know <laughs> um you know well, even like, like like one of the things like you like I, if you see the logo treatment the metalish one when you mm-hmm. see it in the movie all the roots they turn into a heart you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's in you know that's in and the the good part about Mandy is it does. I mean, it, it's both the good and bad of it. Is is that and this is the way I feel about a lot of films. 
Like, example, a great example to the way I look at it, because I'm not even remotely comparing. But I want to say, especially because it's, uh, I believe, because of social media and the way things have how fast film criticism especially moves both professionally and, um, you know, just uh, generally, like, is is that, this is the way I view it, is, is that for me it's like, the Shining is one of my all-time favorite films. Mm-hmm. It's an absolutely perfect movie. The people who are like room two thirty-seven people, right? It's like I give a fuck less about your theories. Yeah. Like it, you can go off on whatever weird tangent you want. You're totally welcome to. But they become like that kind of group of people become very, very obsessive about like, um, you know, it's like, well, that you you just don't understand. Like you didn't see it. And some people, the way I've seen it with Mandy, it's kind of like you say, like blindly dismissive. Yeah. The other people are like, you just didn't understand the. Li-. I'm like, I'm thinking, nah. like looking at Ned Flanders' fucking well, um, it, beatnik parents well, here, going well, like, <laughs> it's like beat on the drum. Give me, right. just stop with the bullshit. If you I saw feel, something else, then you did. I feel but like I didn't. No, it, it's not like here's the thing. Like most of the stuff in that movie is there to reference something else to create a mood. Like even right. the Cheddar Goblin is clearly like a direct reference to the commercials in RoboCop. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, like that's clearly what it's there for. It's well, just and like, personally, it, I feel the same way about Mandy as I do feel about Tarantino's work yeah. because you know, and so often that same kind of approaches to Tarantino, right? Which like, yeah. oh, all he does is just talk about references, and it's like, hold on, the references are there in service of a story; yeah. they're not just there for references. I mean, and that's the thing; like we could talk about Death Wish. Like, I mean, that's one of the things I thought was interesting. Like when. uh Rebecca McKendry is asking Panos Cosmos, oh, this is like Death Wish, and he's kind of like reluctantly going along with it. It's not like to me, it's much more like Mad Max meets like Hellraiser. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. It, you it, almost pitched it uh-huh. as like an apocalyptic fantasy, which is yeah. like I'm saying, that's oh, yeah. the way, like you pitched it the exact way I remember reading the synopsis. Mm-hmm. I thought this film, because all I saw was the poster at first, right. was medieval. Yeah. I yeah. thought this was, yeah. I was like, wow, he didn't learn from Season and of the Witch yeah. when I didn't read the synopsis. Right. I was like, he didn't learn from that yeah. shit. Well, and then that, that's the thing, like the thing that like, like uh, you know, Rebecca McHenry's like, oh, or or like Intrapedos Punks, which right. is Intrapedos Punks is like a Mexican like ripoff of Death Wish. Right. You know, so got it's it. like, okay, you've really got this Death Wish thing, you're trying really hard to push it. But, I mean, not every revenge, like, Death Wish did not invent revenge movies. Yeah. Not at all. Um, I, yeah, I, I guess what I, one of the things that I really do love about the movie is that double meaning, um, is the fact yeah. that it does operate on two levels simultaneously. That, um, you know, it is obviously a straightforward story about a logger whose girlfriend is killed and da 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 da. Yeah. But it is also very clearly this story about, um, you know, a, a necromancer. And I thought it was just so funny because, like, in that interview, that was one of the things that I was writing already. And in an interview, Panos Cosmatos yeah. talked about, he's like, yeah, no, he's like a necromancer and he's like, uses evil mag- magic to summon these demons. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and obviously the film is, is feeling you those things with yeah. all of the the fantasy imagery and things like that but i feel that this film threads a needle that maybe you didn't feel it threaded quite as well kirby but one of the things i love about this movie is the fact that um it could have gone so wrong yeah. i do I, I'm very sensitive to feeling like I'm being pandered to. Um, you know, you've all heard me rail against, um, uh, against, uh, what that, that stupid 80s 
thing was that the the uh, one that was Kung Fury. Kung Fury, right? Yeah. So yeah, exactly. I already purged it from my mind. So you know, if you heard me rage against Kung Fury, no. I even think I even don't like movies like The Boondock Saints because yeah. I feel it panders too much. It's well, like, hey, isn't this yeah. cool, bro? You know, there, there, yeah, and there's a lot of that. I mean, there's like there's like you know, because Panos Cosmatos also was one of the producers for. Um, rewind this i think the vhs document yeah and for a minute i was like really afraid that we were gonna start to see like tracking lines right, or something like that right. I'm like, please don't do that shit yeah. yes because i mean right now it's like you know we're like in this second like vhs like renaissance thing that's happening like yeah. the first one happened like what a few years ago sure uh-huh. and like now we're like hardcore into it we're like literally i have like you know normies are like talking about like slashback video like yeah. You know, it's a thing, and it's like, Jesus, dude, you know, there's still actual video stores you have to pay, like, money to go into. Right. You know? But, and I'm, like, knocking the concept of it. It's just, like, one of those things where I'm, like, I want people to have authentic experiences and, like, discover, like, you know, nostalgia without it being fed to them. Like, yeah. Like, as a, com- a commercial product, you know? I um One thing that I really did love about the experience of going to see the movie at the Alamo Draft House, and did you go, um early enough to to watch the pre-show? No. Yeah, so the pre-show was very very well done. Um and there were uh some so they showed a trailer for Heavy Metal. Oh nice. Um they showed a trailer for um uh Fire and Ice. Oh, the uh, Frozetta movie. Yeah. yeah. Um they uh they also Wizards too. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, might as well, well go for the I mean, but ultimately, field. I mean specifically Fire and Ice and Heavy Metal are yeah. like you can tell like this is the th- if not a direct influence a thematic influence. Oh yeah, I mean even like Conan. Yeah, know? totally. And they yeah. showed a uh they showed this music video that was produced by Meow Wolf. Uh-huh. Um which was really awesome and trippy. But then they showed one of those Cage Rage reels, right? Oh, Where yeah. it's just all Nicolas Cage acting out. And it was really interesting because I read this interview with him where he kind of talks about, like, how hurtful those things are to him. Yeah. You know, and that he, like, really goes for it. And that's one of the things I think the reason that people love Nicolas Cage is because he goes for it all the time. And even if he's in this, like, little movie or if he's in a big movie, he always gives 110%. Whether he's doing some weird voice like he did in one of his first roles in Peggy Sue Got Married, right? Um, You know, or just like, or he actually, he tried to do with Moonstruck and then was told he could not. Um, You know, he always goes for it and to take those things out of context and to just say, okay, hey, you know, this is all him being ridiculous. That's one thing, but to do it like right before the movie, I think it, it, it plays in to this thing that I don't think is very respectful of Cage. No. Um, and it kind of bummed me out that amongst all these other things, like that it did have that as part of its opening. But it just, it, it reminds me of um, when we had like, for example, um, when we had, uh, I had gone to see Face Off. Um, right. And, and I saw it at Film Bar. And oh, then there was God. those yeah. girls that were just laughing every single time they saw Nicolas Cage. And it really kind of, you know, and I, I do want to talk about that just like with his placement in the film is that, you know, at what point are you could like you're saying, Kirby, you know, like, um, are you pandering just by putting Nicolas Cage in there? It's like, is that the only reason people are paying attention to it? Right. Or it does it have more going like does Nicolas Cage aid this film? Does he hurt this film? Well, I think it's like more like a tool, you know, and this uh-huh. is like this 
this movie, I feel if you put like some unknown in it, it would totally be too esoteric right. to a certain degree. I think putting Nicolas Cage in it gives it some like degree of like gravitas or grounds it to a certain degree. Yeah. But also putting uh, like the the devil's advocate or flip side of like the cage rage things is like there's somebody who might go to this movie like what what am I watching and then they see right. that and that's like a grounding element for them. It's like well as long as I'm getting something you know funny or interesting then I'm yeah going no to... that's that's a good point and and I mean actually and I don't know if it was because of those like cage rage things but like definitely like there were la- there was laughter in the bathroom scene, yeah um which i even laughed like yeah. i mean i, I didn't mean, laugh I, com- yeah. consistently but like at a point where he's like really losing it you're like this is kind of funny mm-hmm. but then it like turns into something oh yeah not well funny. it's that's the whole thing i mean like there's definitely like an element of the theater of the absurd in this movie i mean right. just like the the, sh- the shots of like the characters and like a lot of like the blonde guy who's just like kind of weird yeah and then like you know uh, i mean there's like a big a uh, big chunk of this movie that's like a, a guy's dueling with chainsaws yeah so i mean to a certain degree if i'm it, like not a big enough chunk. well it's like one of those things like yesterday um you know i hosted this uh agfa movie at yeah, uh, a yeah. draft house called ninja zombie which like it's like this guy he, he's you know he's in trouble with this like cult the cult like tries to kill him, but his friend protects him, and they kill his friend. So he goes to a voodoo guy to uh, like dig the friend up so he could use him as the old school like zombie zombie right. to protect him via martial arts. And the whole time I was thinking is like, huh, it's like funny if this was like real actors and the because they also play up the fact that the guy who was brought back from the dead had like a doomed romance. Uh-huh. Like, if this was somebody, like, we knew or something, like, some actor trying a different spin to a certain degree, yeah. like, that'd be like, huh, that's this would be, like, a really interesting premise. I mean, to a certain degree, that's, like, how Quentin Tarantino kind of, like, cut his teeth early on, was, like, people wanted to work with him to, like, kind of revive their careers. Totally. You yeah. know? Like, yeah. Well, yeah, 100%. I mean, the, the, the thing is, is that Tarantino, for me, that's, people take it from different things. It's like, I can see Tarantino elements in... Mandy, the way it's scored, the you know the way um, there's certain little bits and pieces, but got different chapters. Chapters, yeah. yeah but exactly. at the same time, I mean, Tarantino for me as as a fan is is dialogue. I uh, the way he creates characters yeah. and the way in which they uh, interact is uh, and weave stories together is is to me Tarantino's strength. It always will be. There's, um, you know, it, that's that's what I look at as like the the Tarantino effect, the Tarantino standard. And I meant, like, you just kind of, like, went off. Like, it is. It is part of this whole the rage cage thing. It's just, like, it's, a, you know, like I said, I, it's not like I don't enjoy memes or not that I don't enjoy elements of internet culture or these kinds of things. But they're, the like, absurdist stuff in general is not my cup of tea. It never has been. As I mentioned earlier in this podcast, Adult Swim. A lot of this stuff is just, to me, just stupid. It's, like... Like you were saying, like you were venting at Kung Fury. I was not a fan of that either. I'm not a fan of a lot of things that I feel the way, the way, uh, you know, I don't know what the person's intention was who made it. May have been good, may have been bad. But in the end, for me, what it is, is most of them, it's like, again, I always take away my own impression. It's that it's not a contrarian thing. Once again, it's just that people get so 
uh, I like worked up about stuff like like you have to believe this is the best movie or the best you sure, know sure, everything. Sure. It's like you don't have to be on the extreme of anything. And again, this goes back to politics and social issues and stuff. This is like it's not a a fence walker or a straddling opinion to have something where you're able to see both sides of a perspective and have a very even handed view that especially embodies what you personally feel. It's like, I don't have to be an extremist, you know, or, you know, even though I enjoy a lot of extreme quote unquote things, whether, you know, whatever, et cetera, especially in film and music. But I also feel like for me, it's just one of those things where it is um, spectacle. Like people are going to see things or, or a fan stuff because it's um, almost too. It's a uh, Victor and I have always talked about about the whole um, hot topic film starter pack. Like you have to have Donnie Darko and <laughs> you know a couple other films. And it's and it's like they're not bad films. It's just yeah. one of those things. It's also some people start to lose their love of things. And it's unfortunate because of a fan base. Like, well, it's like do you remember? Um, I mean, I don't know if you guys are frequent with places like this, but you go to, like trails. Um, in like the nineties and you go to like any head shop trails or whatever. And you, there's like a poster section and the <laughs> poster section has like posters of mushrooms and giant weed leaves, Bob Marley, and Bob Marley, <laughs> like, and taxi driver. Yeah, that's and true. The shining and, um, and Pulp Fiction. Yeah, I was going to say, they're all, like, I'm pretty sure Spencer's was unchanged from about, like, 94 <laughs> right. to 04, their poster section. Yeah. Like, and then there was weird, like, I remember even when I was a kid, I had one of the alchemy posters and, like, all these weird, like, you know, kind of, oh, like. Clockwork Orange. Sorry, I forgot about Clockwork Orange. Yeah, Clockwork Orange, Orange yeah. is another one, too. Yeah. Or, like, you know, like I said, like, a band, it, like, I always think of music, too, because people go, do you like the band? I said, oh, yeah, I like that band. They're pretty good, like, or I enjoy them. I hate their fucking fans. And right. like their bands, I will probably never go see Tool in my life because I hate because I hate their fucking fans so much. <laughs> I told I did I ever tell you about my uh, my story with Tricky? So oh, Tricky this, though. Trip hop yeah, artist. Yeah, 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 Tricky like you know, tremendous trip hop artist, you know, like um uh, founding I like that member though, of, Tool Tarts. That's yeah, great. yeah, exactly. Founding member of Massive Attack and everything, right? So so Tricky was touring opening for Tool. And he was touring with, like, a 40-piece band, like, an, a choir of singers. Like, this is, like, one of the most amazing live shows I've seen in my life. And I've seen my share. And he comes out, and people were booing him. Um, and, uh, you know, Maynard comes out, and he was like, anybody who uh, opened their heart to tr uh, Tricky just now, you guys experienced something amazing. To all you fuckers who are booing him, get the fuck out of my show. You guys aren't my fans. I don't want you listening to my music. You know, and it's like, you're absolutely right. Because it's like, you have these people. It's like, yeah, Tool's a very, very good Oh, band, yeah, yeah. But their fans are just listening to it to bang heads, right? They're well, not I don't even think actually... it's just banging heads. It's just, it's, it's, they, they have just a religious zealotry. Right. I hate that with, I hate religious zealotry for anything. Yeah. But I especially hate it for some, like music, it really bothers me because it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I have my favorite band. But if someone goes, oh, I, I don't like them or they're fucking terrible, it's like, that's cool. You know, whatever. Right, right, like right. people, and we've talked about this numerous times on the podcast. I guess that's where I, I always kind of circle back to is there's a level of tool tards with everything. It's just, 
and it never ruins it for me. If I enjoy it, I enjoy it. I will stand up for it. I'm never going to stop enjoying it. There's nothing that can ruin it for me. Right. And that's the problem, like, a lot of times, especially with social media and a lot of these things that I'm bringing about, is, is that people can try to ruin anything. It rarely ever works out. And it definitely isn't going to, you know, affect me. But I just, I have a real issue with um, people with Nicolas Cage where it's just become this, like, I never, hey, I didn't see you at Spirits of Vengeance or like, <laughs> you know, a lot of these films. Like, right. I mean, people who were of age at the time. I mean, I've been watching Nicolas Cage since I was a kid. Yep. Um, you know, and, it, and, you know, he has a great filmography. I mean, part of this whole podcast where we uh, uh, set out to, you know, college was more than Mandy. It's you know, the resurrection of Nicolas Cage as an actor. I mean, I think Mom and Dad was, you know, it yeah. was, it's a bookended year. He started heavily with Mom and Dad, and he's closing out with Mandy. And my hope is that that will continue. Um, So, you know, one thing that I really enjoyed about Mandy in comparison to Mom and Dad is because Mom and Dad is a movie I absolutely love as well. But Mom and Dad, it, it trades on that, cage rage memification right that's kind of the whole thing is it's nicholas cage being wacky and crazy and screaming a lot um which actually i think there's some really great subtle acting that he does in mom and dad as well but where i think mandy is a really interesting turn for him is how reserved it is and he's not somebody who's normally known for that but like his his strongest moments in mandy are scenes where he's saying nothing where he's just or, or you know where he's like quietly you know he's watching his love of his life burn the death or he's psychically communicating with like a, a you know a chemist right mm-hmm. you know all well, of these things that's those the are biggest the part though is, is that that is what i will say about mandy as its strength is is that any actor any film that can go basically silent for the bulk of the film or that it's not action oriented because i'm a huge fan of atmosphere over action yeah. that's very important to me it, that's what i'm saying it's not i'm an inpatient person when i talked about it it'd be hard if i'd have to watch a couple times but there's no doubt in my mind at least 20 to 30 minutes might have been cut and I probably would have loved this movie. And it's just because it felt superfluous. It just felt like it wasn't even for atmosphere or establishment. It was just, um, just one of those things. It's not absurdist or anything. It's, uh, there's just certain things I feel are, are masturbatory. Like I, it, but for other people are like, uh, almost religious. Like I said, they have, they have these, uh, you know, epiphanies from it. So it's just, it's, it's, and, and that's any film and every film. Again, it's just a matter of perspective. Neither is wrong or right. My whole thing, too, with Nicolas Cage, and I'll go back to more like the mom and dad thing. I mean, it's like we talked about Face Off. You know, you were talking about your film bar experience. I mean, I think in the internet kind of world, obviously, Wicker Man is the, the top tier. I'm surprised we haven't mentioned that. But I mean, you know, it's, it's, like, it's interesting. I've actually never seen Wicker Man, but um, when I was watching that Cage Rage thing, of course, there was the, the bees scene yeah, and all yeah. that stuff. Holy crap. Like, I don't know what that stuff is like in context, but no, it's really bad. Well, yeah. Like, oh, because Nicholas Cage It's just has not bad a movies. well-directed movie. Right. Well, he has bad movies. I mean, they're bad movies because yeah. they're bad movies. They're bad movies come as performances. Again, that's another thing. There's people who think every actor is is perfect or every director. It's like, no, everyone's got some shit in, mm-hmm. you know, that is not great. You may think it's all good, but I mean, I, I think the evidence kind of shows that it's it's really not there. That's one of his low points. But it's funny, you know, I was kind I actually just took a look through his filmography. Right. You know, because we were talking about, I mean, he's got a lot of stuff coming up. But I was going through the films, and it's like 
to me, this was more of obviously we brought up uh, bringing out the dead. And, yeah. you know, it's definitely a little bit more of that, even maybe leaving Las Vegas in terms of its somber of his emotional, you know, emptiness. But what you does, know. I mean, does he have just more of those like straight to video? Like, so I for mean, 2018, he did, he's actually done quite a bit. He did Looking right. Glass, the Humanity Bur- Bureau, 211. Teen Titans, obviously, like right. um, Between Worlds. The trailer for, I mean, I've seen the trailer for Humanity Bureau. It doesn't look like a, a, a very well directed movie. Yeah, right. when he's done, I mean, he's it's it's like if you look back at his filmography, it's surprising how much voice work he's done because he's yeah. also going to be in Spider Man Into the Spider Verse, uh-huh. Between Worlds for the 2019. He's got Running with the Devil, Primal, A Score to Sell, and Kill Chain. Um, you know, none of them seem to be uh, like particularly uh, like big. That we know about. No, that's the thing. I mean, right. if, I, I, I don't mean to put it that way, but if they're not right. hyperlinked, obviously they haven't yeah. hit that point. But that's a well, good that, thing that's too. That's my that concern when try. we talk about like the Cage Renaissance or whatever. Is that, is it like is that he's going to squander that opportunity? Well, by I mean, we don't. Yeah, like we don't know anything about those movies. Agreed, yeah. agreed. And I don't know. Maybe there's more Mandy's or more mom and dad's yeah. on there yeah because like a year ago if you told me oh yeah lee wanell the guy who directed saw is doing this movie called upgrade i'm like right but that's and that's why i brought it up it's yeah. like it just didn't it's like i'm like that sounds kind of stupid like that sounds very cheesy and that's the thing yeah um you know with films there's a lot of times and stuff nicholas cage like that's why i bring up some of his more well-known dramatic roles and stuff the guy has got range he has great comedy films he has great dramatic films, action films. I mean, you know, there was a point, 97, 98, what, Face Off, or 96, The Rock. Yeah. I mean, he was one of the biggest stars Don't in the world. Don't forget Con Air. Don't forget Con Air. You know, so yeah, well, that's mm-hmm. kind of like his triple his triple threat. I mean, yeah. the guy was just kind of on top of the world. And then, you know, I, you know, it took quite a few years. I mean, he was doing, you know, he's a guy who will take anything. He definitely does take pretty much any role but that's right. the thing is if you can take something and make it into your own or uh defy expectations uh however lowered or you know or higher they are or um you know uh how, how much bigger they can get but i mean, just feel like nicholas cage is a guy who i don't think mandy is the high point that's what i'm gonna say oh, i think man. there's still something to come in his career that is really i mean i i, I hope nicholas cage um, is able to keep going, living, you know, quite a few more years because he's one of those guys that I think, especially in the twilight or autumn of his career, but maybe even long before, he's really going to hit a point where, you know, it's going to be like one of those master stroke moments. So that's my hope for it. Right. Yeah. Um, I, it's really interesting. I don't know if you heard this, but, um, because I heard in the interview that, um, he was originally Panos Cosmatos really wanted it for Jeremiah Sand. Like, and he basically mm-hmm. wrote it with him in mind for Jeremiah Sand. And I'm really curious, like, who he had in mind. I wish they would have asked this on Shockwaves. Uh, but I'm curious, like, who he had in mind for Red. Um, you know, because that is interesting. And, and how they, they kind of, you know, he viewed it as something like versus, like, you know, youth versus age. And, and he said that when Nicolas Cage... Uh, originally when he met Nicolas Cage, he had like gray hair and a gray beard. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, you know, I mean, obviously he dyes his hair. Like it's, it's very obvious to look at it that he dyes his hair, but it does make you kind of want like wonder, maybe that's one of the things and maybe that's something you should do is like start playing his age a little bit more. 
You know, I think that's that's not necessarily yeah. a bad idea. Well, um, that's I mean that's an issue in Hollywood that'll always be there is that people should be able. Uh, there's nothing, uh, you know, uh, was uh, Bill Burr always says, you know, there's nothing wrong with being 52 and looking 52. Like, right, right. Just be your be yourself, be who you are, you know. And it's like, um, I, I think that's important, but I, you know. I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, it's interesting. I actually could really see him as Jeremiah too, and yeah, actually be in yeah. a very muted um, uh, prophet kind of role. That like, uh, and that, I mean, I, and that, that's one of the things I liked about Mandy too. Is, is that's how really I mean, you look at every doomsday cult and every religious. They're they're all exactly like that. I mean, there's very oh, yeah. few, I mean, especially behind you know closed doors. You know, it's it's obviously like I don't know of a religious movement of any major significance in the especially in the 20th century that was not like that yeah um yeah. so it's 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 interesting definitely i'm yeah i i i i also think like one of the strengths that mandy has going for it is just that the design of everything is just it's just impeccable from the you know from top to bottom if i have any complaint about mandy um it's that it becomes too standard as it nears the end of the film like it just it becomes just it, you know sure there's interesting things about it but I think it just becomes a revenge movie and and I and that's one of the, what I love about Mandy is that it starts as something that's not just a revenge movie oh yeah yeah hundred percent agreement there that's I mean that's the whole thing and then the middle um, for me just I that's actually probably where I cut a good chunk it meanders too much for me and I actually yeah. would have extended out the kind of classic journey of the the warrior kind of ending and would have made it um much more um enjoyable i actually liked in one sense that it was not as over the top and bombastic as i expected cuz mm-hmm. i mean that's how you i mean that's my big thing in a lot of movies too is where they just like you know most people just kill the person they're not going to sit there and like you know, you might have a big duel. Right. Uh, you might have a huge um, exchange of words. But, I mean, most people, I think, truly driven by revenge, just go. I mean, and that's the best part, of course, when he dispenses with the... I, I just keep calling them Cenobite bikers because uh-huh. it's just the sure. easiest way to yeah. do it. The, the, the black skulls is the yeah. terminology yeah. for him. But yeah, yeah. Like, I like yeah you know what I mean. Bikers. But I it, it's, yeah. it's, you know, that part, like, that's the real deal meat of it. And, like, that's what makes it fun. And that's more of, like where the action is well-placed. And, mm-hmm. and I love those scenes a ton. It's just, like I said, just a little bit here and there. But if Nicolas Cage can keep getting roles like this, I mean, I, you know, I kind of want to look towards the future and what he's going to do. It's like, I hope he can do those, but I just feel like it's, he has to hit that point with the like critical circle where, you know, they're like, oh my, it's a Travolta in Pulp Fiction. It's these, yeah. you know, that's the ultimate Tarantino, like you were saying, the revival of someone's career. If he can get to that point with one of these, like that's a hundred percent the future of, of like Nicolas Cage's success. He just he really like this is a great start. It's but I think it's like I said, it's just the beginning, and I feel like the best is yet to come for yeah. him. Uh, yeah, I'd love to see him do just like another like adaptation type role. Well, I do. Yeah, um, I, you know, just something like that 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 is just in a very artistic film. I, mean, I don't want him to get just you know kind of only going like these action type movies sure um, that's what i was saying yeah. like he has a very vast range so it'd be good to go but yeah that's that's hopeful 
Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I do want to just shout out, just so while we're talking about Mandy, the score by uh, Johan Johansson mm-hmm. is absolutely tremendous. And, you know, rest in peace. Uh, this was, I believe, his last it score. It was his last yeah. score, yeah. yeah. Um, and then, like, he was originally going to be doing the score for Blade Runner. And I think that, the, it, you know, because I knew he was taken off and, like, Hans Zimmer came in and everything. Um, and I, I wonder if it was because of health issues. Yeah, it, probably. Um, probably, but yeah, yeah. listening to Mandy, I was like, holy crap, he would have knocked Blade Runner 2049 out of the park. Yeah. Um, well, that film also had a great score, too. Yeah, it that did. Was, that was like, one of my in, things. In my that... opinion, it got a little too just atmospheric um, Hans Zimmer droning sound. Yeah. Um, and not thematic enough. And listening to the score for Mandy, like, I could see kind of how it would have been closer to Vangelis' original. Yeah, um, sure. That's completely fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Perfect. Yep. So, yeah, I think that was a very good, uh, you know, breakdown of the movie. I, I will say one of the things we didn't really talk about too much was like Andrea Riceboro's performance here as Mandy. I mean, it's a oh, small yeah. role, but I mean,. You know, it's very magnetic, especially this one scene where she's confronting uh, Roach's uh, Jeremiah. There's this really intriguing thing they do with their faces. It's just yeah. like the first time I saw it, I was like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, it's really well Tripping. done. Yeah. Yeah, it's very good. It's, it's, um, yeah, it's, it, that, like I said, I, his, her performance was great. No matter how small it is, his was excellent. Like I said, I go back to Jeremiah a few times. Yeah. The, the Roach was just, Wow, I was really. He holds impressed. his own against Cage. They both like yeah. bring this really intense, like intense, like presence. Some, to some their role. that I think Landis Roach just nailed in that role was, um, you know, his like his his male fragility. Yeah, you know, is that like he wasn't like I mean he was like he had these moments of just like being powerful, but then like you could see how fragile it was and yeah. how he was just compensating and that the first thing that like kind of started to poke holes in his power, like he became impotent and, yeah. you know, was filled with impotent rage. Um, Literally. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Well, and, 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 and uh, you know, and I do love um, Andrew Rosberg, who I, I've, you know, I've been a fan of her as I think since Oblivion. Um, yeah. I think she was very good in that. Um, but like just the way that she just laughs at him in that moment was mm-hmm. just such an empowering and powerful moment, um, definitely. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I love Mandy. Um, I, I, I loved it more the second time. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of I'm hoping to see the third and fourth. Hopefully on a, another, like, one of these next times down the line where uh, I'll be able to catch up. I've actually been thinking about that with a lot of our episodes. I'm like, we need to have, like, a little section, like, Victor's Voodoo bucket list, <laughs> and then we can do, like... Uh, like the catch up, like finally seeing the terror yeah. or whatever yeah. peppermint, yeah, you know, yeah. it's that kind of thing. Like we should have those little carve outs. Well, but... yeah, like I like watched uh, ghost stories. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. About, yeah, know, it's like, it's yeah, always yeah. hard. It's just yeah. too much out there. But for sure, we'll uh, probably talk about that more here on one of the next episodes. Is all the great stuff coming up here for the late fall and early winter? Yeah. Yep. So yeah, that was our uh, catch up and Mandy breakdown. Again, uh, if you enjoy what you're listening to, feel free to drop us a line. You can find us on Facebook, SoundCloud, on CoatFalling.co. We always do lots of reviews. If you want to meet up with us, we're all, you know we're always doing events here and there. When um, is Houseu? Houseu, we're doing Houseu at the Alamo Draft House on October 16th. Which location? At uh, Alamo Draft House Tempe Terror Tuesday. Awesome. Uh, 
exclusive to the Alamo Draft House Tempe location. And then we've got the Dismember, the Alamo uh, Horror Movie Marathons on the 13th in Tempe. And also in Chandler on the 20th. If you guys are looking to do a cool horror movie marathon, you've got two options there. Those are both solid. Cool options. I curated all the movies, so you're guaranteed a very cool lineup at both of them. That's my guarantee. Um, and other than that, you know, we've always, like, there's always cool stuff going on. So, um, check out also Cold Classics AZ. We're going to be giving away some, uh, more, uh, advanced VIP passes to go see Halloween. And, um, we got some for this Monday for Bad Times at El Royale VIP tickets. So check it out. Uh, until next time, I'm one of your three hosts for this occasion. Victor Moreno, along with Kirby Nelson. I'm too tired. Now. <laughs> <laughs> and Joshua T. Ruth. Mandy, I heard that song was about a dog. <laughs> <laughs> so until next time, folks. See ya. Cue Carpenter's music. Do, 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 do.